Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to our space. Spreading Cajun across the nation. Pushing the brand across the land. Welcome to Ragin' Review. Made by the fans, for the fans. Welcome. It's been a long time since I've been on this board. Almost forgot how to work it. It's a Rage and Review Twitter space here on a beautiful Monday evening. Matt Miguez. Tonight, we got a lot of things to get into. Diamond Sports are entering their final stretch. You know, May is May is that month when, when things really start to heat up. Baseball's got about three weeks left in their season. Softball's playing their final series this weekend before the conference tournament. Uh, so we'll dive into that. We've got some NFL draft to get to. Uh, obviously, a couple of Cajuns getting drafted. A couple of Cajuns signing UDFAs. We'll talk about all of that. And anything else that, that you guys want to to touch on? Nick, Jerry, good evening. How the hell are you? I'm in a bad mood, man. I don't know what my deal is. I'm hoping I snap out of it, or I don't snap. Either way. <laughs> Why are you in a bad mood? What's wrong? I don't know. It's, man, it's one of those days when you just wake up and you're pissed off, and that was uh, that was my day. But, hey, I am, I am having an adult beverage, so we'll see how this goes. Nick bringing the heat tonight. I like it. <laughs> What's up, guys? Uh, how you doing, Matt? Uh, doing well, man. Doing well. Um, just recovering from the weekend. Very active weekend. Nice to see that uh, Festival International was back in full swing. Uh, got to enjoy a crawfish slash birthday party. A crawfish boil slash birthday party on Saturday. And uh, yesterday we were kind of lingering at, at the house um, trying to get out the festival, but the rain kept us away. So, uh, unfortunately, little Allie could not experience our first Festival International, but there's always next year. Um, but in spite of all of that, uh, all weekend long, listen to a little bit of baseball and listen to some softball as well, follow the draft. Uh, I want to give a shout-out to both Percy Butler and Max Mitchell for getting drafted, as well as um, Big Sauce, Levi, Chauncey, and um, I'm missing somebody. Farad. Farad, of course. Farad, yes. Congratulations to all of them for landing on an NFL roster. Big time. When we got into the fourth round, you know, in day three, that was when I really was kind of sitting there. I was actually surprised Max didn't go sooner. I was really looking at Max as a, you know, late second, high third. And and so when, when you got to the fourth round and Max was still sitting there, I said, man, you know, it's not going to be long before somebody, somebody jumps on him. And sure enough, I don't even know if it was 10 picks into the day. That uh, that he got picked up, and then Percy came two picks later, which was really mind blowing. Because if you looked at his his range, and you know, Coach Dez touched on this in the press conference today, his draft range was late fifth to undrafted free agent, and he goes in the fourth. Dez said, you know, it's very rare that. You go at the top end of your range, much less above what they projected you. He said, usually they tell you a range and, and, and you're shooting for the back end of that. So for, for Percy to go in the fourth when they told him late fifth at best is, uh, is, is it's pretty incredible. It really is. Yeah, I was a little disappointed to see Max fall that far down. But I, it, while I was disappointed, I was not shocked because, um, you know, it, it is what it is. He's not a P5, quote, power five player. So he's not going to get as many eyes on him. Um, but, but happy to see where he landed. Really happy to see where everybody landed in the draft. Um, and then, the, as you said, the undrafted signings, that, that was great to see as well. Interested to see what, uh, what will happen with Levi in Seattle. That's an interesting Interesting uh, a pickup by them, and, and I think Des alluded to the fact that they tried to kind of, I don't know, I wouldn't say mirror, mirror what Russell Wilson did up there, but maybe look at how Russell Wilson was used in Seattle 
and and tailor that a little bit towards how Levi played. So interesting to see that he got picked up by Seattle, and I'd like to see what uh, what comes out of it. I don't know. Yeah, you know, Des, Des did touch on that at the press conference today. He talked about how a lot of film sessions were dissecting Russell Wilson's film in Seattle because, I mean, if you, if you think about it, Russ and Levi are, are very similar players. They're built kind of the same way. They have the same high football IQ. Russell might just have a little bit better of an arm than Levi does. But they're very similar players. Pete Carroll knows how to work with a quarterback of that type. So who knows? That might be the best case scenario for for Levi in, in a fit like Seattle. Jerry, what do you think? I'm just happy that he has a shot. Um, I'm happy for him. I'm happy for pretty much anybody or every guy that either got drafted or signed as, as, as free agents because every single one of those guys who are playing on a roster – and I state the obvious when I say this, but all of them, they're going to bring something to the table, whether they were drafted, whether they came in as a free agent. I mean, both Max Mitchell and Percy Butler um, getting drafted, literally two picks from one another was awesome to see. Uh, I think Percy is a great fit in Washington. Um, they're going to get pretty much, I, I think they can get a hybrid in him. Uh, as far as uh, Max Mitchell, uh, we all kind of knew he was going to end up you know, somewhere, you know, first three to four rounds. Um, <laughs> I hate to say it like this, but it's never, you know, I, I, he's going to the Jets, so it's really, you know, it's not, they're not the best team. But just ending up on on a roster and, and getting drafted just by anyone, whether it's even, you know, Jacksonville or even, you know, the L.A. Rams, Super Bowl champions, uh, it's just a great opportunity for them, so. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm just happy for all of those guys and just excited for what they can show. Um, I do think the four or five guys that were picked up as free agents, I think they're good enough to make the 52-man roster, including Chauncey Manak. I was very surprised he wasn't drafted uh, based on the fact that, you know, more of your defensive schemes now, especially in the NFL, use that hybrid on the outside, which I think Chauncey is perfect for. So I think he's going to open a lot of eyes. Um and then, of course, Big Sauce, Taylor Humphrey going to Pittsburgh. Another one. Another one in the interior D-line that really Pittsburgh kind of needs. So um, they all bring a lot to the table. And um, just excited to see, you know, or at least get a report on each of them come mini camp as well as into the summertime for training camp. Yeah, no no doubt. And if anybody else wants to to chime in, feel free, and we'll get you here in, in, a, in a speaker role. You know, we touched on Percy Butler ever so slightly. Daniel Jeremiah called Percy the best overall free safety, the best pure free safety in this draft, which is really, again, you know, for a guy that was projected late fifth at best, it's pretty cool to see a NFL network analyst as well-respected as Daniel Jeremiah saying things like that about him because, and also, we should touch on the fact that, that Percy did welcome a daughter today, which is which is pretty cool. Congrats to him on that. But, you know, again, Percy getting drafted fourth round was something that I think it's safe to say none of us expected. Well, I think, I mean, obviously it's, it's attributed to him and his talent and his hard work. But how does that reflect on this program? I mean, how great is it? that we're having these conversations today that four years ago, we, I mean, we had Ladarius, right? Ladarius was our big guy in the NFL, but we were, weren't really having these conversations about guys playing on Sunday. And now it's almost an expectation that we'll have a, a guy or two or four, you know, get drafted every year. So that just tells you how far we've come and, and really looking forward to Des and, and the coaching staff doing some work in the next few years and keep that going. Because, man, how big is that for, for recruiting? And your recruits are seeing these guys play on Sunday, and it says, you know, when they're introducing themselves on Monday Night Football, University of Louisiana, that's huge. That's huge. Also, too, um, I, I, to add to your point, Nick, their culture has changed. Um, I think over the past, maybe since six or seven years, we've had, I think, eight or nine guys that have gone to the draft. And that's not including guys that have actually gotten picked up as free agents. Um, that does say a lot about your program, especially 
over the past five or six years with the type of athletes we have been able to recruit. Uh, it, like you said, goes to show you that there are players, especially on the local level, that see the potential of going to UL rather than going somewhere out of state or somewhere far away. Um, it goes to show you that you can pretty much pursue your dreams of playing in the NFL if you play here in Louisiana and also play on a, play on a, for a winning program. Uh, we're a winning program now. So the potential is definitely there for more players to have that opportunity to get drafted, to go to the pros. And so it's really cool to see as of late how much this program has evolved in such a short amount of time. Um, and, and to see so many guys get a chance, even if they're not drafted, to sign on as a free agent. Obviously, you know, even though we're not a P5, the NFL finds you. If you're good enough, they're going to find you. So, again, it's so great to see and, and how much the perception of the program has changed in such a short amount of time. And I look forward to seeing what, what these, these guys now, this year and in the future, can do as well and see what they, what chances they have to kind of go through the same thing that some of these guys got to go through this past weekend. Yeah, you know, Des touched on that in the press conference today. Nick, you brought up recruiting. Des hit the nail on the head with that. He said it makes it a lot easier on us to to walk in a, into a kid's home and say, you know, a kid just like you or, you know, a kid of your talent level or whatever is in the pros right now through our program. He said it's easy to go in and say you're going to come to a great place, you're going to come to a great university, and you're going to be able to reach everything you've ever dreamed of of playing in the NFL. So, you know, Nick, you put it perfectly – the way that we're able to put talent in the league right now, I mean, we're, we've put 17 players in the league since the beginning of the Sun Belt. That's the most by far in this conference. And so the fact that we've been able to do that is, you know, pretty impressive because now that's just like you said, it's another great recruiting tool for our, our, our program. Yeah, and let's face it, Matt. I mean, with NIL in play and the tampering that's obviously going on, it, it, you, you've you got to have every – any possible advantage you can have to try to recruit against that. And, and this is one of them that, that we can use and say, hey, yeah, if you if you want to go get paid at, at a, a Power 5 school and, and ride the bench for four years, have at it, but you can get some TV time on national television with us, a, a ranked team for the last two years. Oh, and by the way, you have a chance to play on Sunday because of that exposure. I think that's a little bit, and don't get me wrong, it's not going to negate the NIL deals that they can sign elsewhere, but it will make a player think twice before going to a Power 5 that's offering them money but not really offering them an opportunity to play. I think that'll that'll help us out in the long run. Yeah, no doubt about it. Jay, you got something before we move on to baseball? Yeah, real quickly about the NIL stuff. You know, I, I'm curious to see in the next year or two how some of these players that were promised all these things, like you said, Nick, don't get to see the field as much at a bigger school. Um, also, too, the transfer portals become so rampant that I also think one thing Louisiana has an advantage of now is going more after the high school recruits rather than just trying to get some random player that came from a P5 that you're just trying to, it's, it's almost like, it's almost like kind of, it's like a second version of the Juco route, you know, to fill in some certain voids. Um, that's one thing I think Des is going to try to push for is indeed the, I think, I think you can take advantage of the portal for guys that maybe are, are sitting or riding the bench um, that can come to UL and do a lot of special things that we've seen some of these guys that have been able to do over the past few years. But also, again, going in the high school route where some of these bigger schools are going, you know, playing portal, whereas you got high school players that are talented and very good. You may be able to steal one from a P5 because they're under the radar. So, yeah, it's going to be interesting to see in the next week or two. I mean, week or two, I'm sorry, year or two. Uh, how this all plays out, it's going to be it's going to be interesting. Yeah, I just wanted to say we're starting to see the NIL trickle down to the Diamond Sports. Just last week, we had a uh, car dealership in Arkansas 
offer NIL deals to all players on the Arkansas Razor softball, softball team. All 27 players will get a vehicle. That's pretty impressive. That's interesting. Yeah, I'm just curious of how, how anybody's going to be able to compete with that. I mean, nobody in their right mind, you know, an 18-year-old kid is not going to turn down a free vehicle. No. I know I wouldn't have turned down a free vehicle at 18 because the vehicle I was driving at 18 was a piece of crap. Somebody better get Sharon Moss on the phone. <laughs> Nick Domingue, you think we could we could get Sharon Moss to, to donate some cars? <laughs> you know, I'm just not going to say anything <laughs> on that because I'm already in a bad mood and I'll, I'll put my foot in my mouth. So yeah, <laughs> I just think it's going to trickle down the baseball too. I mean, the, the major sports, we already knew it was going to be there, but it's going to eventually trickle down. And uh, I, I, I see it ruining college sports, to be honest with you. Look, I, I retweeted something today about, um, and I forgot who, I, I think he's a sports host. I, I wasn't familiar with the name, but it, it rings so true in saying that college sports has gone from being about the player and being about what's best for the player in the university to win at all costs. Um, and, and that's really unfortunate. You know, I seeing it change, being involved from when I was a, a freshman um, in 19 uh, <clears throat> uh, to, you know, now as an adult, so many years later, it's it just how it's changed and the landscape has changed. And then with NIL and the transfer portal, how just in the last two years that has evolved and changed, if, if something doesn't happen quickly, then it's really going to, I, I just equate it to like when the housing bubble in 2008, when everything burst and, and people never saw it coming. We see it coming. There's a train wet wreck coming, and it's happening. We're all staring at it, but nobody's doing anything about it. And I don't know what college athletics is going to look like in five years, but, but the way it's going, I don't even think it's going to be about the have and have not. It's going to be about the, the 10 schools, you know, win at all costs, and everybody else, good luck. Here, here are the breadcrumbs and, and figure it out from there. So – I don't know what the answer is. I don't think anybody knows what the answer is. That's why we're still having these conversations. But it, it, it's the exact reason our football program was decimated in staff because, again, they hired Napier at Florida, and, hey, they don't care about anything other than win at all costs. And guess what? If Napier don't win in three years, they're going to be revamping that whole staff again. So it's just unfortunate what it's all, all turned into. Um, and, and it's not, I mean, it's great that all the, these players are getting a car, but for how long, you know, how long are they going to do this? Are they going to really next year, if they have a, a kid riding the bench, who's not contributing whatsoever, are they going to hold the car for them or are they going to cut them and move on to the next player? So there's just so much to unravel here, man. It's just unfortunate what, what college athletics has come down to. I, I've said it for a long time that, that amateurism has, has left college athletics a long time ago. And I think with the, the growth of NIL and, you know, the, the, the bigger schools kind of starting to have their way, it's just going to get worse to the point where, you know, you're, you're even smaller schools than us, you know, your Nichols, your Southeasterns, they're not going to survive because they can barely keep up now. But I digress. Let's move on to, to college baseball and the Cajuns, who took two out of three this weekend in Boone. You know, you started off really hot with with 14 runs on Friday. You got a home run out of Rocco, Hood, and Brock. You got four RBIs out of Rocco and Brock, respectively. You know, you, you really just beat them down in, in game one and kind of continued that in game two. You, you score four in the first, two more in the second. You gave up six through the second and the third, but you just held on to the lead and, and ran away with it a little bit later in the game. But then Sunday, you know, Sunday you had a chance to make history and you, you beat yourself. I mean, three of their runs came off of a walk or two walks with the bases loaded and a hit, bat, hit batsman with the bases loaded. You, you take away those three runs. I mean, no, you don't win the game at that point because you're still down six to four if you take away those three runs. But you might have some momentum in those middle innings, and maybe 
you turn it into something. You don't give up four runs in the eighth. Who knows? But, you know, this team, I said they were one win away from making history. They would have been the first team in school history to have three straight road sweeps. No team's ever done it. And they they took it away from themselves, basically. Uh, Nick, I'll start with you. What are your What are your thoughts on the series as a whole? Well, I think what you just said is true. I mean, it, it just points out how hard it is to, to sweep a series on the road, much less do it three times. That, that's really, really hard to do. Um, but it was really three different games with three different stories. Like you said, on Friday night, it was all about the hitting. We hit our way to a win. And, and then, of course, um, we didn't let up after – After I, I think we, we scored two at the top of the first and at, scored two at the bottom of the first. And I think as simple as us coming back and scoring another run to take the lead the following half inning kind of set the tone for the game. Um, and, and we didn't let up after that. We didn't really let up until Sunday. Now, Saturday was about pitching <laughs> because um, Schultz didn't make it out of the third. We go up eight to one, I think it was, and then they come back and score six. Um, so to make it eight to seven, and, and Schultz struggled. Um, so that was a little bit disappointing, but Austin came in and did what he needed to do. He really shut the door on, on that, that rally by App State. Um, and as Josh, I think, mentioned earlier on, on the last podcast, not every starting pitcher is going to have a great night 100% of the time. So you got to have a good bullpen behind him. I thought, think we saw that on Saturday. And then Sunday, again, Wilson just flat out had a bad game. Um, I think looking back at it, Sunday App State had five singles for RBIs and then three runs scored by hit-by-pitcher walks. I, that's inexcusable. You can't do that and expect to win. Um, Chipper comes in in the fourth again. Three base, base runners hurt us. We, uh, we, I thought it was interesting that we intentionally walked a guy to load the bases, and then he punks the next guy. So that was that was hard to watch or listen to because, of course, they didn't have a stream. Um, but all in all, I, I thought I thought Sunday showed that App State, even though their record is not great at all and their RPI is, is down there they're still a well-coached team because they fought on Sunday. They had to win Sunday to, to try to keep any hope alive that they'll even make the conference tournament because I think on Sunday they were out of it. So um, great job by their coaching staff and the guys for executing. They hit the ball really well. That starting pitcher kept us off balance, really all their pitchers on Sunday. Uh, but it, it didn't feel like a Sunday – the way things started that we were going to, I don't know, it just had a different vibe than the last, the first two games had. I don't know if it was a 9 a.m. start, uh, but it just felt different. And again, we were, we were playing the sweep. We had already won the, the series on Saturday. So Sunday, I, I don't know if it's a little hard to get up for, for the players. It's not hard for me to get up for on a Sunday. I want to sweep, but it might be a little hard knowing that you've won the series playing at state who's not great thinking you're just going to walk in and win. Um, before I turn it over to you, Jerry, just one thing I found interesting was Dex mentioned prior to the series that playing teams like this or th- these types of teams are scary because they're not really playing for anything. And, and I kind of found that odd because they're playing for something. They showed you on Sunday, they were not giving up. They were playing to win. Um, so yeah, they, 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 they did a good job and credit to those guys. But, um, it's really hard to sweep, and, and I try to caution and say, hey, if we don't sweep this weekend, not the end of the world, but I think we dropped, what, seven points in the RPI? So they're, they're definitely hurt. It was 10 spots. We were at four. We were, we were 40. 40. Okay. Yeah, so we dropped 10. I mean, it's still a lot and one loss. Um, yeah, I, you know, I think Nick said a lot there. Um, very good, valid points there. For the most part, I thought this weekend was one of those weekends where we just out-hit them in those two wins. Um, I wasn't too impressed with the pitching on really. I wasn't too impressed with, with the pitching this weekend, as far as giving it too many freebies, especially on Sunday. I thought this was Wilson's probably his worst game. Um, and then on top of that, I thought the bullpen really couldn't really just, I don't know. Couldn't carry him yesterday. Uh, but uh, as far as the bullpen goes, I think AP did a fantastic job on, on Saturday. Um, Schultz didn't play his best game. 
going to have to bounce back next weekend as a really good opportunity. And I think the pitching staff have a really good opportunity to redeem themselves against kind of a, a poor UTA team. Uh, they're not too good. Their RPI is atrocious. So we really can't lose any game this weekend. It's almost imperative we go three for three and get a sweep. Um, and so uh, hitting-wise, look, the <laughs> we hit the ball well. I mean, there's no question we hit the ball well. Um, I think we combined – I think we combined, uh, let's see, 14 plus another 12, 26, 4. Scored 30 runs this weekend, which is promising. It's encouraging, and you kind of need the bats to come alive at the right time. Uh, I think guys like Rocco and and, and Julian Brock and, and, and Marshak and just name a few, and Campbell got a few big hits. Everybody's hitting the ball in the lineup, so that's, that's good. That's good. It's good that they're clicking now rather than too early in the season and, and peak. I think we're starting to hit – the strides, um, starting to hit strides in, in our backs. Uh, with that said, you know, against ETA next weekend, you got to keep this going. Um, and, and, and the reason why is because obviously, look, the big talks right now is, is us kind of in that sort of vicinity of a possible at large bid. But in order to do that, our schedule is, it's, it's really, it really weakens in the next few weeks outside of the trip to Texas state. So, we can't really afford to drop. Um, I mean, it, I'll be honest, no, just to put it bluntly, I'll, I'll take it back. To put it bluntly, going into Texas State, uh, where we play UTA, and we go to Rice for two games next week in Houston before going to San Marcos, we got to go five. I think we have to go at least at a minimum four for five or five for five. I mean, just to have some insurance, you got to go at least four, four for five or five for five going into San Marcos. So, um, you know, we really, really – or don't have much room for error in the next five games. So um, I'm glad the bats are finally kind of starting to come alive a little bit. Didn't really look too encouraging yesterday, but I think they'll bounce back on Friday night um, coming back home uh, to Russo Park. But um, look, you took the series, you got the job done there. Would have liked to sweep, but again, you know, as advantageous as it is that we're winning as of late, you're still running into a bus on the RPI. So you really do have to milk as much as you can, um, especially in the last, I think we have 12 games left uh, of the regular season going into the conference tournament. Yeah, and we also need some help, man. We need our, the teams we played, our opponents to win some games, even though I would like to cheer against most, if not all of them. Um, we got we to gotta get some help down the stretch, so fingers crossed. Yeah, you know, looking at, Looking at the RPI of our next two opponents, UT Arlington is at 249 and Rice is at 206. So you really can't afford to lose to either one of them. Even if it's just one game, well, that one game is going to kill you if, if you're at 50. Um, so, it, yeah, it's imperative that, that we win. Really, you win all of the next five games to uh, – to kind of keep your hopes alive. But one thing I wanted to touch on that I find interesting is at the press conference today, I was handed a stat sheet for the baseball team for the month of April. They have played 17 games in April and or, or 16, 17, it was 17. Uh, and, and the team went 14 and three, nine and two on the road. And then I think it was six and one at home or five and one at home or something like that. Julian Brock is hitting 390. He hit 391 in the month of April with four home runs and 16 RBIs. That's your catcher. I mean, am I the only one that just finds those numbers absolutely ridiculous? Oh, by the way, he also throws people out. Right. right? <laughs> so, yeah, I mean, he's a stud. But, again, I think we're starting to see what we expected of this team from day one. And, mind you, I, I didn't expect those kind of numbers from, from Brock. But, man, that, that's what we wanted at the beginning of the season. I'm just hoping it's not too little too late. Uh, I think we can make a push towards through the end of the season. But – we, we can afford to maybe drop, like Jerry said, drop a game before we get to Texas State. 
but even doing that, man, um, it's not going to be great RPI wise. So, but yeah, no doubt over the last, the course of the last month, it's, it's a different team than, than all of us have seen. I mean, how many times did we get on the pod talking about, will we even make a conference tournament? And now here we are talking about, well, we can maybe sneak into the, the top seed if, if we do this and that. So just fantastic job by everyone involved in the program for getting us where we are. Yeah. And then, you know, Carson Rockefort, uh, uh, if I remember, I don't have the, the stat sheet, you know, right in front of me, but I want to say in, in the month of April, he was 370 or something like that. We had, we had six regular contributors in the batting lineup hitting 300 plus. And then you had uh, Mason Zambo and maybe Brandon who aren't regular contributors that were hitting 300 plus. You had eight guys total on your roster hitting over 300 in the month of April. I mean, that's just ridiculous. And, you know, I was talking to Jay Walker today and we were talking about Julian Brock's hitting statistics. And he said, you know, the way he's swinging the bat with the way that we already knew he could play defense. He said, we'll be lucky to have him next year. Because he is. Don't a, speak that into existence. Stop. Hey, don't, I'm, don't mention another word. <laughs> I'm just saying he he is a draft eligible sophomore. We need to get some nil deals going here, boys. We'll see what we can do. I mean, you you want to be happy for the kid, especially if he if he gets drafted. But at the same time, you're like, can't can't you just like stay for the next five years? Because he might be one of the best catchers we've had in, in recent memory. Well, he's the full package. Um, I mean, he's got power to his swing. His reaction time and his arm is very strong on pickoff throws. He's athletic. He's strong. Um, I think whenever we first brought him in, that was kind of the expectation. It just took him a little bit longer to really develop. But now that he's developed, uh, he's dangerous both in the batter's box and behind the plate. So, yeah, I, I, I mean, to me, he's a prototypical draft pick. Um, it's just selfishly as fans, we want him to stay as, as for as long as, as possible. But, you know, scouts see his swing. Scouts see the way he reacts. Scouts see the fact that he doesn't really let many pass balls get by him. Uh, his reaction is really, really, really effective. So, um, kind of stinks to hear that, that he's a draft-eligible sophomore. But it's expected with the type of stats and the type of performances that he brings every night to the diamond. Well, I think that's a, that that's where you start getting to be a victim of your own success. You know, we want kids that are going to catch the eye of, of major league scouts. Cause that means that they're that damn good playing for us. Um, so yeah, again, that just like, just like getting drafted in the NFL, if, if that were to happen, that would mean only good things for our program and, and scouts see that and scouts want to be uh, not scouts, excuse me, players see that, that we are scouting and they want to be a part of that. So yeah, um, we'll see what happens, but I'm with you, Matt. I'd like to keep him for uh, like the Stephen Feehan deal where it felt like Stephen was with us for like eight years. I'd like to, uh, I'd like Brock to, to take that same deal. Yeah, no doubt. No doubt. Um, again, if anybody, anybody in the space wants to, wants to chime in and, and they have a comment about baseball or, or softball or Theo Akuba transferring to Ole Miss, I mean, feel, feel free. We, we got a lot to talk about. Um, haven't even gotten a softball yet who who got yet another series win, 72 straight. That's ridiculous. They have won 72 straight conference series. I mean, you know, again, looking at looking at softball from the press conference today, Jerry Glasgow hit on it perfectly. He said, you know, through the first 24 games, we were 16 and 8. In the last 25 since then, they're 22 and three. I think his his young players have benefited from those those big matchups 
early on in the season. Jerry, what do you think? Well, I've said it all season long. You have five or six freshmen that are starting on a regular basis. You play a non-conference schedule against the likes of Alabama, LSU, and Texas. Uh, you're going to get your feet wet pretty fast. And there are going to be some games where you're not going to come out on top, and some of which we saw were pretty ugly to our standard. Um, at the same time, it's not about how you uh, you play those particular games. It's how you respond. And, you know, 22-3, and three, um, you know, 72 straight conference win or conference series wins. That's, that just goes to show you the fact that as young as we are, uh, these girls know how to respond. And to do that now, just like baseball, you might, you're clicking at the right time. You're playing good ball. You're playing your best ball right now. Um, that that's very important. And I think, I think I want to say, uh, Jerry Glasgow said as well that, you know, when you, I want to say at the press conference, he mentioned something like when, when you win so many games as of late, the selection, the NCAA selection committee sees that. Um, so of course for regionals, I mean, that, that, that helps in many ways for that large. And, you know, obviously we want to win the conference, but if we don't win the conference, at least an at large is, is looming. So that's very important. And then also too, um, I think another thing that's, that's, that stands out uh, with what softball has done as well um, guess what? We're back in the top 25. Uh, I think we ranked at number 23. So um, all is well back in at Lampson Park. Everything's kind of back to normal, uh, back in the top 25. But, you know, regardless of what happens in the next few weeks, as much as I want to win, I have to give a shout-out to, to this young team and this young roster. Um, you know, the expectations of the fan base, the, the standard of our program is very high. But uh, they weathered the storm, and they went through some tough losses, but they've found a way to bounce back and, and continue to grind. And, and I, I think the best days of Raging Cajun softball with this team are, are way far ahead. Um, to me, this is Lanya. Um, but I know for a fact that, that Coach Glasgow, as well as that his team and his staff, they, they, they don't want to wait till next year or the year after. They want to get it done now. So – um, I'm really curious to see in the next few weeks how, you know, obviously they keep winning, but really curious to see where, uh, what, what, what the, uh, what the regional, uh, outlook looks like for this young team. And, you know, what, uh, what are some projections of where we expect it to go, how we're seated. But in the meantime, I'm really enjoying watching this, watching this team develop. It's been a lot of fun and, uh, you know, shout out to the, to the senior weekend, getting a sweep against the, uh, Kobe Carolina chickens. Very nice win. There are three wins, but, uh, yeah, let's keep it going, man. Nick, what about you? I was just going to say, man, it's so it, – it, their season kind of paralleled baseball. I mean, we both had a, a rough start. About midway through the first half of the season, people were, were calling for heads of coaches because they lost to McNeese in, in a midweek game. Uh, but And we kept waiting for those early season challenges and both had really – grueling uh, starts their season with the uh, schedule wise with really, really tough competition. And we just kept waiting for that to pay off. And, and really both, both teams started getting hot at around the same time. So it, it was interesting to see that develop, but, but Jerry said it, I mean, it's, it's a young team that needed time. Um, really baseball team was the same, maybe not young, but new, in the sense of, of newer players on the roster that, that we had to figure out where they belonged in the lineup or, or where, you know, in the, in the pitching rotation they fit. So now that it's starting to come together, we're starting to see the fruits of our labor in, in both, both programs. So I, I just found that interesting how, like I said, it, it, their seasons have almost paralleled. Hopefully we'll parallel into a regional later this season. Yeah. So, for for those who also haven't seen today, Louisiana softball entered back into the top 25. According to D1 softball, they're sitting at number 23 in the country. And we were talking about regionals and where they're going to end up. I found an article from D1 softball. The latest that I could find for field of 64 projections was the 20th. So this might be a tad bit out of date, but they have the Cajuns as a two seed in Austin with Texas, Texas A&M, and McNeese, which I, I think is, is a winnable regional. I mean, we've hung with McNeese. We've already beaten Texas. 
Texas A and M. To be honest, I don't know much about, but I feel like that's a that's a regional that Jerry Glasgow and his girls could easily compete in. Well, to, to just give you a little his, history uh, lesson, uh, we've beaten all three teams, I believe, in the past decade in a regional. Uh, actually, we've beaten Texas A and M and Texas in a regional in the past decade. I don't even. I'm sure we beat. I don't know if we've played Magnuson in a regional. No, we have. No, we have. No, we have. Yes, we've beaten all three in, a, in, in the past decade in a regional. So they're familiar teams. They're familiar teams that we have faced at that level. So, I I mean, we've already beaten Texas on the road uh, this year. Um, so uh, clicking at the right time, got nothing to lose. If that's the regional, I like our chances. I like our chances anywhere but the West Coast, honestly. Um, I hate when they would stick us in those West Coast regionals or send us up to Michigan. That was just unfair. But we still competed, and, and I think we'll still compete in any regional they put us in. Yeah, I mean, I, I don't disagree. I think we're going to be be competitive no matter no matter where we end up. Do I think that they get out of a regional and, and make a super? Probably not, uh, just because this team is so young, so inexperienced. Half of these girls have never been in a regional, never played in that kind of environment. Experience is, is a big factor in in the postseason. And since a lot of our players don't have it, I, I could see I could see how, you know, they, they struggle a little bit. But man, next year and the year after, sky's the limit for this team. I really believe that. JMV, you got something? Yeah, two things. I think uh once they make the uh the regional selections and stuff, it might be a good idea to bring uh, McLeod back on just to give his two cents. I know y'all brought him on in the past. Uh, he does a really good job. And I know we don't have a whole lot of experience, but what people got to realize is, you know, Megan Shorman is an SEC experienced pitcher. And, I mean, Lamb went in LSU last year and shut him down. So we're capable. Um, we, we are very young offensively, but if we get hot, I mean, when you got Landry – Lamb and Shoreman, I mean, you got a chance. The good thing I like is all three pitchers are around 100 innings in the past. You know, we've always rolled one pitcher, and they've usually had 200-plus innings at this time. And one thing to keep in mind, uh, Sam Landry Sunday hit 70 about three or four times. So these, these girls, are they, they don't have the dead arm. So we, we still got a chance no matter where we go. I'm kind of like Nick. I like our chances anywhere but the West Coast. But I'm hearing right now we could possibly end up in Baton Rouge or Olsen. Please, for the love of God, not Baton Rouge. Well, I think we can win that regional, to be honest with you. The only problem is if we win that regional as a 16C, we'll probably meet, meet up with Oklahoma, but that's all right. I mean, we're not – I mean, just getting into a regional with my expectations this year, anything after that is on you uh, I think what, what, what I hate about the LSU idea is how many times have we gone and played there in a regional, and there has just been an absolute crushing, game-changing bad call – against us. I still have a bad taste in my mouth from that. Yeah, it does kind of get old going there all the time. I think that's our best champ. Yeah, I mean, I, I don't I don't doubt that we could win the regional. I just hate going play there. Just like Nick said, you know, something always goes wrong when when we play in Baton Rouge. Um, So I, I think right now I'd rather end up in Austin, but you know, we'll, we'll see. There's still two weeks left or, or a week and a half, two weeks left un, until, you know, regional spots are, are decided. Jerry, is is there anything else that, that you want to touch on with, with softball before we kind of, you know, start opening the floor to any other Cajun topics? Not really. Just keep grinding, you know. Again, this like Jared said, this is a young team with, Actually, they got they do have really good pitching. So, just keep grinding, keep grinding, and keep learning about one another, and just keep just keep plugging away. Um, it's 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 been a it's been a blast so far watching them develop into the team that they become. So, yeah, just keep grinding. Nick, what about you? You got anything? No, nah, man, I'm with Jerry um, and, and JMV. I think we can we can compete and and potentially win um, anywhere outside of of the West coast regionals, just because I think that they're just 
too difficult um, for for a team like us that is that is still learning how to win. But but yeah, um, looking forward to what the future holds um, later this season for these these ladies. Looking ahead to to this week, you know, baseball's got that three game set with UTA that that they really just need to win, and then softball is going to Monroe. Now, softball can win the conference championship with one win against Monroe and was it a South Alabama loss? I think it was. No, actually, we have the same amount of losses as them. They played about five games less. They're not going to make those games up, so it comes down to win percent. So basically, we have to match whatever they do. No, that's what it was. That's what it was. You're right. If if we if we sweep, we need them to sweep. That that's what it was. No, no. If we sweep, it don't matter what they do. We just need to either match what they do or win one more game than they do. We should sweep ULM, and I don't think that South Al can sweep Troy. But basically, we just need to keep winning. Well, then I got confused by the explanation from from Jerry Glasgow because from what it sounded like was that we needed to have the same result that that South did, but maybe I was, maybe I misunderstood. Um, well, that's promising because ULM is not very good. So we should go up to Monroe and, and take care of business. And, and like you said, South Al probably won't sweep Troy, especially since it's in Troy. Uh, Troy softball is much better at home than they are on the road. So I don't think that situation plays very well into South hands. And I think the Cajuns could could walk out of Monroe Sunbelt Champs, which would be their gazillionth in a row. All right, so we've gotten through baseball. We've gotten through softball. We've talked about the NFL draft. Is there anything else Cajuns-related or just really in general that anybody wants to touch on? Nick, Jerry, y'all got anything? No, I was just going to say, I, I think last time we had a Twitter space, we Josh kind of pressed to, to see if anyone had any feedback on the the Jackie Russo conversation regarding NIL at, at UL. Um, one of the interesting things that, that came from that for me was the fact that most of our players who were looking into NIL aren't necessarily looking for a big payday or a car or a big check. They're looking for things like, hey, I'd like to get some money to help pay my car note. Or, hey, I'm looking for some help with rent. Um, so just just interesting to throw that out there, see what you guys think. I thought that was very telling of our program and the quality of people that we have playing for us and that we have recruited. While we have players that commit to our program and then uh, 30 minutes later are, are transferring to a school 60 miles down the road and meeting with William G or whatever his name is, Gordon McKern, whatever his name is. Um, you know, our, our players are, are just, they're not looking for a handout. They're just looking for help with, with basic living expenses, which I thought was very, very telling of, again, the, the quality of the player and their character and, and really what NIL is going to be used for here at UL. So just thought that was very telling and wanted to comment on that this week. Andy, what you got, my man? Hey, what's up, guys? Sorry, I, I joined a little late. Whenever I jumped in, we were talking about Julian Brock, so I don't know what was – talked about as far as baseball goes so I, I hate to backtrack too much but just some thoughts about baseball and we'll I like to talk about men's basketball a little bit too but I mean disappointing to lose that third game to app I think it's not the end of the world um, but we're still I, I still think we're on pace for 33 34 wins um, if we can get that number two seed I mean that would be huge obviously we've talked about that but uh as far as men's basketball goes, I don't know if it was talked about. I know you, uh, you kind of uh, pointed out Theo transferring. Um, I think it's going to be, you know, it kind of is what it is. You know, I think we're not going to miss too much of a beat with Isaiah Richards. Um, hopefully he can step in and be that twin tower with Jordan Brown. But uh, I'm kind of excited about that point guard we just uh, scooped up from Dodge City. But uh, – 
I don't know, man. I guess I, I think we still need another big man. Maybe we can get him in a transport por- a portal uh, for depth reasons. But, uh, I mean, with Kobe Julian, Jordan Brown, Isaiah Richards, you're looking at three starters, no doubt starters right there. Michael Thomas played well at the end of the year. I think he's a good rotational piece. Is he going to start over this transfer? I'm not sure, but I don't know, man. I think I don't think we necessarily got better. I think we're still kind of in that same zone that we we've been in. So I also thought it was super interesting that this point guard shouted out Brock Morris whenever he announced his transfer on Twitter and didn't say anything about Bob Moreland. So I don't know what y'all's thoughts on that. Nick, Jerry, why y'all want to go first? Well, first I was going to ask, Andy, are you confident Jordan Brown's going to be here next season? Um, I don't have any inside information, but the rumor mill is swirling, that, that and it's getting stronger, that he may not. Um, that would be, a, a, I think, the biggest blow outside of Akuba leaving next season. Um, if, if I could throw my two cents in, I don't think he's going to be here. Well, nobody's talking about uh, Brock Morris going to Ole Miss. What y'all thoughts on that? Yeah, that's juicy. Yeah. I, heard, I, didn't, even, I didn't even hear I heard, about that. I heard he doubling his pay, and I heard it's pretty much a done deal. Yeah, well, why, why, do you think, why, do you think, why do you think Theo went to Ole Miss and not Iowa? Yeah, uh, you call that a package deal. Yeah, uh, Morris is history. Yeah, Morris is history. He's not staying. Correct. My uh, my buddy is a neighbor of Morris, and I mean it's all a done deal. It just ain't announced. Well, if you lose Theo Morris Akuba, I think we're I think we're in big trouble, which we kind of already do. But I really thought that the team was going to stay together more than it is. You know, you hate to see Trajan go, but I think this new point guard is going to match his production or more. But uh, losing the big guys, man, that's going to be that's going to be a tough blow because we really just don't have the big man rotation. Unless they're working on something I don't know about right now. So they, uh, with Morris moving, I know there's a hardship waiver for uh, when coaches leave. I wonder if they're going to use that to get more guys from this team. I think I think that only applies to head coaches, but I could be wrong. So I don't know. Like I said, I've seen it elsewhere. And if the schools reach the right palms, it usually gets approved by the NCAA. Look at um, – the quarterback from Alabama that transferred to Oklahoma before the, uh, the free year, and he's magically got a hardship. So, Palms agree, still get transferred, and I'm guessing that's a good uh, get in, segue into it. So, we'll see. Well, I just want to uh, I just want to emphasize real quick, uh, regardless of what are these whatever these rumors are <laughs> of Coach Morris going to Ole Miss, please let it be true because we've been in the doghouse with some of these basketball supporters in the past for, you know, claiming things and it doesn't come true. Um, look, I, I'm I'm going to be a little more on the harsh side with everything with basketball right now with these players leaving. We were sold that keeping Coach Marlin uh, was, was the fact well, – the reason why we kept Coach Marlin was because the team was staying together. Well, now Trajan Wesley's gone. Uh, Ty Harper's gone. Theo Akuba's gone. There's speculation that maybe Jordan Brown may be gone. Um, to your to your point, Andy, I'm a little concerned about next year in spite of the point guard that we got or the point guards that we've gotten because um, last year we went through the same thing, you know, bringing these guys in, all this talent, and then we ended up finishing in eighth place. I, what, what I'm saying is I don't know. It all depends on the chemistry. You can have a team full of talent, but if you don't have the chemistry – uh, does it really matter? Uh, that, that's kind of what I'm, I'm, I'm sort of curious about that with these guys coming in this year. Yes, you're filling some holes. Yes, you are filling a few voids. But if, if it's true that you're losing your top assistant, you're losing one of your bigs, um, and Theo Akuba, who really stepped his game up towards the end of the season, I'm not too optimistic about next season because I don't, I don't think – replacing guys like Theo Akuba, even Trajan Wesley, like he, yeah, was he the greatest guard uh, guard in the game? No, 
but he filled he filled a void in, and he was good enough to play his position in the certain amount of minutes that he did. Um, I'm really, really curious to see uh, how sort of the dynamics change with these guys leaving, um, because you are losing some guys who really, really created a presence on this roster over the last few years. I forgot to mention, I think Brian Agee was another one that might be leaving too. I think he keeps, or because I believe he was, um, because of his injury, he might be a grad assistant or something like that, but I know he's not going to be on the roster. So it's, it's next year. I, I just don't know what to think. I just don't know what to think. I just hope it's not a wasted season. Um, I know it's a very sensitive topic with the fan base of, of, you know, keeping coach Marlin for another year. But in spite of that, you still have to play the year. You still have to play the season. I just hope it doesn't turn into another season like we saw this year where all these expectations, you go in and then you finish in eighth place. So I don't know. I'm just, as a fan, um, I'm not really too optimistic. But, I mean, we'll see. We'll see. I actually heard a little uh, a little rumor today that I know everybody speculated that T. Joe was the main uh, driving force behind keeping Marlin. But I actually heard from a pretty good source today that uh, it was actually 100% Magger's decision. That's pretty interesting. Well, regardless of whose decision it was, it puts us as fans. Like I said, it's almost like when your team is performing poorly, your NFL team is performing poorly, you kind of hope they throw the next three games so they could get a better draft pick. Like, what, what do we cheer for next year? Obviously, we're pulling for the players to do well, but at the same time, if we end up finishing eighth and then somehow winning the tournament, and now we're in an NCAA in the in the in the, the you know field of sixty four, and, and we're looking at, at extending Marlin now, you know, signing him to a new contract. I don't know what I'm pulling for. I want to do well, but not that well, you know. So it just it, it puts everybody in a in a tough position. And, and Jerry, you took the words out of my mouth. Every time we have these conversations, I say the same thing. We were told it was to keep the team together for continuity so that nobody transfers. And here we go with, with the, the exit door wide open and guys just leaving. I, I'm not encouraged. I'm disappointed and frankly, not looking forward to, to what happens next year because it puts me in a weird position. I want the guys to do well. I'm going to pull for every single player. But man, if, if by somehow he makes it to the tournament, what now? You know, what do we do then? Then we're having another conversation if, if we sign him to another four-year contract. I don't know, man. It, it, it's tough, and I don't, it's giving me a headache just thinking about Well, the, the, the common denominator is one word, man, apathy. The, the fan base is apathetic. I mean, regardless of what the biggest, the, the bigger supporters say, and regardless of what they try to say to justify the results over the past four years, which, by the way, if you look at our finishes in the past four years, we were averaging sixth place in the Sun Belt. I'm sorry, but that's not good enough. Not by our standard, not by any standard. And so what you've done is you've alienated fans to look at this and go, what are we doing and why are we doing this? Um, and, yes, are there external factors? Yes. Is, the, you know, the transfer portal – the, you know, the, the coaches leaving, injuries. But you know what? There's over 300 D1 schools that go through the same exact thing we go through. To act like we're the only school that goes through these things, I mean, that, that's, that's crazy. That, that, that's ridiculous. So to me, it's just I, I just want, I want to be successful, but also, too, I want the people in charge of the program, I just want them to be, a, like, to have some accountability. Quit blaming everybody else. Quit blaming, you know, injuries and this and that. And go win. That's all I ask. I mean, I'm not, it's not much to ask in this conference. This, this basketball conference is not that good. Um, I mean, you saw it towards the last few, few, few games uh, going into the championship game. So, yeah, I, I'm, like, I'm like you, Nick. You're, you're kind of put in an awkward position because, yes, you want to succeed. But at the same time, you know, you go to the tournament where you extend the coach – and three or four years later, you're, you're still averaging sixth or seventh place. Well, nobody's going to support that outside of the people that want to be friends with the guy. And, you know, that, 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 that's fine. That's okay. But most fans aren't going to support that. 
Well, it just sucks when well, you look at Georgia State and see what they did with their coaching hire. I mean, they hired a guy who literally won the NIT and was literally Mike White away from being the coach at UGA. I mean, that it'd be a pure institution, and they hit a grand slam while we're stuck with uh, a guy batting on the tee box in the corner of the outfield on warm-ups. So it kind of sucks. My thing is, as a casual basketball fan, because I'll tell you, I don't know a whole lot about basketball, but I watch the Cajuns because they're the raging Cajuns, so I'm going to watch them. But when was our last, or any, what marquee win have we had over a big-name team? I mean, what, was it Oklahoma in 93 or 92 when we were in the tournament? Was that the last time we beat beat a big-name team? Iowa 2018, or Iowa 2017, 2018. Okay. But that was a sub-500 team. That, that Iowa team has been a sub-500. Yeah, and, and before that, I'd say Mississippi State 2003 or 2002. But we just – but, like, we're – like, okay, we beat Iowa State. We beat Kansas State and Texas A&M. And, I mean, it was a while between those wins against Power 5, quote, programs. Baseball, we do it all the time, Right. Softball, we do it all the time, but I struggle as just a casual fan to name any marquee win that we've had in our basketball program. I feel like, you know what, maybe every now and again we should be able to upset one of those teams, but every time we go on the road and we play a big-name team, we get absolutely crushed. And that's not that's not appealing to me as a fan. Great, we beat Georgia State, but but I'd like to upset a team on the road that, that has a name and – Maybe, you know, is not necessarily ranked, but people look up when they see that score on the television and start getting some, you know, some conversations going and some excitement around the program. But you have it right. It's apathy. I mean, we haven't done that in God knows how many years for it to even matter. That's what I'm looking for. Well, we need to quit doing as a fan base, and we need to quit doing as, you know, whether you're a coaching staff or anybody associated with the program. We need to quit making excuses and justifying why it's okay to be average. Um, I've noticed that talking to a few fans who are diehard basketball fans, a lot of them that are a little bit closer to the coaching staff, it's like it's almost like it's it's almost like it's okay to finish in fifth place because oh, all these different external factors like oh, basketball is not what it used to be in the South and all this other stuff. Look, Houston is three hours to the west of us. We, I remember about eight or nine years ago, we had them in the Cajun Dome and beat them. That same Houston team played in the Final Four last season. They, they went to the Sweet 16 this year. You know, I don't want to hear basketball's dead in the South. I've said it before. Between here to Houston to Dallas to Little Rock, Memphis, down to Birmingham, all the way down to Mobile to, New Moore, and to Baton Rouge and back, and that six-hour radius, you should be able to field a team that's good enough to at least make the tournament every once in a while. I don't think that's too much to ask. So you're right, Nick. I think when you're, if you're able to do that consistently, then yeah, you can get more than one marquee win. Until then, until we're, until we, until then, as long as we keep accepting that it's okay to finish fifth and sixth and make every excuse in the book of why it's okay, then you're not going to have, those marquee wins and the apathy will continue plain and simple. Yeah. I mean, I, I agree with, with, with everybody. Um, we're not in a great position right now as a, as a men's basketball program. We're not in a great position as a, as a fan base either. It, it's really a double edged sword. I'm not going to dive too deep into it, but you know, like, like Nick said, if you, if, if you let go of the guy, People are mad, but then if, say, he comes back this year in his final year and you make the NCAA tournament, then what? You know, then then what are you gonna do? Or are you are you gonna let the guy who just brought you to the NCAA tournament walk, or are are you gonna sign him to a, a five year deal and, and make your fans mad? It's a it's an interesting predicament that uh, that the athletic department has kind of weaved themselves into um and again you know jerry brought up the the promise so the you know marlon was going to keep the team together well that's not looking to be very true 
you've had what three guys transfer since the end of the season and rumored to be a, a coach transferring basically transferring also well the, the 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 excuse will be next as well as the portal well then don't sell me on keeping the team together then you can't have it both ways you're certainly not wrong um, I mean, the, the movement of the goalposts has really gotten old. You know, I've heard rumors of, of uh, you know, the excuse that, well, <laughs> the, apparently the administration gave all the money to football and basketball doesn't have money to pay their assistance. And then I go do research. Guess what? Louisiana basketball is the second largest budget in the Sunbelt Conference. So obviously, we got enough money to do some stuff. I don't. I don't want to hear that, man, because like I told you, we when when Grove was going to the College World Series, we were having to beg Martin Hall to buy pens, okay? He, Grove was not even a shoestring budget. That's a fishing line budget. So that, that I don't want to hear the excuses. I mean, it we were given nothing, and we went to a College World Series, and he maintained that success. Now, mind you, we didn't go back. But he maintained us being one of the most respected top programs in the country for years on that budget. So that's to me, that's just an excuse. I, I can't stand when when people use that as a crutch. I get it. Maybe, maybe, yeah. I would expect football would get more money because they are the front door of the entire athletic department. But again, somehow we figured out how to do it and have success in softball and baseball. Why can't you? And and trust me, you're getting your budget's a lot bigger than softball or baseball, probably combined. So that's that's just an excuse. Well, it's it's not just and yeah, th- those are good points because yeah, I mean, shoot, Tony Robichaux was the king of that, basically <laughs> doing a lot on limited resources, but up until the baseball stadium. But even then, um, you, you know. I'm not asking to go to the final four. I'm asking to make a championship more than once every eight years. Yeah. I mean, you're just asking to be relevant, which is, which is not a fair, which is not an unfair question to ask as a fan, right? Anything else that anybody wants to touch on as we kind of wrap this up, anybody got any feedback on the pod, things we can do differently, things we can do, new things we can do, anything like that. Nick, Jerry, you guys good? Y'all ready to wrap this up? Good on my end, man. Yes, sir. All right. Well, then that's going to do it for our weekly Twitter space. We appreciate everybody coming in, hanging out, good conversations. Um, We will post this on our social media channels tomorrow and uh, record either later this week or, or very early next week. So once again, appreciate you guys. Follow us on social media, at Rage and Review, and uh, we'll talk to you guys soon. Go Cajuns!